0: Welcome to the third and final episode of the Life with COVID podcast series brought to you by Investec Life. My name is Kathy Muttallana. Today we'll be looking at the long-term implications for cancer treatment from the pandemic. Now, the COVID-19 pandemic affected the healthcare system globally and resulted in the interruption of usual care in many healthcare facilities, exposing vulnerable patients with cancer to significant risks Patients with cancer are a vulnerable population, and they are prone to many harms during such pandemics, including susceptibility to life-threatening infections and interruption of their cancer or usual medical care. Hence, oncologists have faced a major challenge in balancing the delivery of high-quality, continuous, unfragmented cancer care, With minimizing patient risks, this discussion will focus on the long-term implications of cancer treatment from the pandemic and possible solutions to mitigate these challenges. Let me welcome to the conversations two experts who at this point should no longer be strangers. Michael Humans is the Investec Live CEO. Michael, always a pleasure. Hi, Cathy. And Professor Carol Ben, the head of the Helen Joseph Breast Care Clinic at Helen Joseph Hospital. And she's also recognized internationally as a leader in breast disease. Professor Carol, at this point, I imagine you've had to sneak us in in between your busy schedule. We really appreciate it. Welcome. Hi, Cathy. We've discussed different aspects of COVID-19 and cancer. And today it will be really good for us to talk about what the long-term picture looks like. But let's look at some of the big lessons that we've learned and you touched on those in the first installment of the series and the adaptability, the innovation that we've seen from the medical sector. What does that really mean for the treatment of cancer patients?
1: So I think that this pandemic has gone a long way to improve the way we treat people. So more online, more virtual, more time taken, more selections around what biopsies and how we do it, more personalized oncology care more use of AI in um, assessing, and more multi and interdisciplinary care. So I am very optimistic that lots of positives will come out of this, such as, for example, maybe more genetic profiling of tumors, less cytotoxic treatments, less recipe treatments, more looking at which person should get what and why less surgery. We have an opportunity here. We've really pioneered cryosurgery where we can freeze cancers in little old ladies. We put them on endocrine and frozen the cancers. We've given less radiation, more radiation in theater, which is a big thing that has taken off throughout the world. And we're a little bit stagnant here, partly because a lot of the way uh, medicine and this is set up is with doctor ownership into things. So for me, uh, I think we must look at what's best for people and not what's best for pockets. Okay. I am very excited in these innovations. I'm very excited in that less chemotherapies for some people, more, in fact, we're going to look at more home-based treatment, more oral treatment, more looking at the patient from all different dimensions when you set up what you, what you are looking and doing with the patient. Surgery has definitely gone, less is more, less is more, um, and we now know the international data shows clearly that breast saving and radiation trumps mastectomy with or without radiation in terms of survival so previously people would say and i mean i recently had a lady who came up where someone said Oh, well, if you don't want chemo or radiation, we'll take both your breasts off. A, she didn't need chemo or radiation because we treat on biology of cancer, not on size of cancer. And two, she doesn't need to take a breast off. So can, we can just do something small, take the cancer out, um, easier from a reconstruction point of view. So if I look at our timelines to treatment, we really hone them in terms of taking time around the diagnosis and choice. So I want to... Really put it out there Cancer and breast cancer particularly, it's not like having a spider on your shoulder that you're trying to get off as quickly as possible It's a life-changing event. You're going to land up being on treatment for long periods of time Treatments today are manageable, but you want the opportunity to have every aspect of your treatment reviewed discussed in a multidisciplinary environment. You want the opportunity for second opinions. You want an opportunity to have discussions with your treating doctors around what's the best for you as that particular person, because we have so many breakthroughs in terms of how to manage things. I can't tell you the number of people I've seen who've come to me either halfway through treatment or this, where we've changed. In fact, it's a very nice abstract must put together. How many people have come with one set of potential treatment plans and we've changed it, discussing it in a multidisciplinary environment?
2: You know, Kathy, as um, Carol was talking, it really struck me how, how it's so wonderful to hear something really positive Coming out of the you know the the, the COVID era as uh, as we can probably consider the last year and a half, it's very easy to get caught up in in all the negativity and and how difficult things have been and and things have been very difficult for a lot of people. But but it's so nice to hear positives and and positive innovation coming coming out of it too.
0: I couldn't agree more with you, Michael. And this idea that Carol is talking about that people now not only have the opportunity of having more tailored treatment for them but also that if somebody is listening to this podcast and they've had a different experience this allows them to go to their clinician and say actually you know i heard this the other day is there something that we can
1: relook at where my treatment is concerned so what you do is once you have someone picks up something that's abnormal look at how the diagnosis is going to be made it shouldn't be made surgically almost never today so going into hospital to cut bits out is unusual, rare. Usually what we do is we review the radiology and we work out the best way stereotactically to approach it and to get a tissue sample so that we know how to manage it. We are seeing more opportunities for, like you said, tailored treatment, but treating on biology of cells, and less on this is cancer A or this is cancer B. Cancer A needs this treatment, cancer B needs that treatment, less of that. Just for example, looking at um, secondaries in the brain, we now have opportunities to use fancy little gamma knives for lung and brain where we can not operate and just target exactly where the cancer is and just kill those little cancer cells. So understand what your options are before you go rushing into things. Take time, get different opinions, have a multidisciplinary review, look at you as a person. When I see a little old lady of 82 who's not fit for anything, we discussed someone today, a person may not necessarily ever need surgery, and just something as simple as freezing the cancers all they need. In fact, we had a fascinating example last year of a not fit lady with a relatively aggressive cancer who had oncology treatment and we froze it to buy time to smaller surgery this year. And when we operated, there was still no cancer there. So I'm already seeing concepts like what cancers may never need surgery in the breast. Now I'm sure that's gonna frighten a lot of gen surges out there, but at the, at the end of the day, it's do no further harm what's best for your patients and allow the opportunity for us from a medical point of view to by working as disciplines interacting together do what's best for the patient and not not best for that particular specialty of doctor.
0: Well, it certainly is good news for cancer patients and especially those who could well test or screen positive for cancer in future. Michael, let's talk about then the conversations have been about illness, severe illness, and COVID-19 has presented itself as the overarching severe illness, given the fact that it brought the entire world to a standstill. Many people are talking about the future. What does the future you think look like for severe illness cover?
2: I've said a couple of things before, which I think continue to ring true, Kathy, And that's firstly, COVID has been Important and had a significant effect, but it's not the be all and end all. There are lots of other illnesses out there that that we need to be conscious of, and it, it varies per person. You know, uh, Carol has has also mentioned this before. That cancer is one that's that's more prevalent and growing, and likely to kill more people going forward. You know, so so I think we're anticipating to see more of that, and that's why we offer products that are geared to that. You know, we're products that cover COVID, but also cover other illnesses that that may have a have a serious impact, like cancers, heart conditions, strokes, etc. So. We see more of that going forward and we see clients, our clients, our policyholders needing more flexibility in terms of how they how they use their products, construct their products and the, and the cover that they have with us.
0: And you've touched on this in one of the installments we've had previously, but I think it's important to go back to it again, given what Carol has said today. In the medical sector, they're providing what seems to be more personalized treatment. Does that mean that... Your, in, your clients at Investec Life will now have the opportunity to have more personalized cover given where the medical field seems to be evolving to.
2: No, I think that's absolutely right. And we operate in a particular part of the market. We don't try and be everything to everyone, but we try and be everything to our clients. So we're not uh, not a medical aid which tries to cover the cost of certain treatment. So we'll offer insurance products, life, disability, and illness cover, which is sometimes called, we call it severe illness cover. It's sometimes called critical illness or dreaded disease. We provide products like that, which, which then on diagnosis or on contracting a particular illness, pay you an amount that you can use as you see fit. We don't constrain you as to how you must use it. If you want to use it to pay for Particular treatment that your medical aid doesn 't cover or go further than than what your medical aid would cover or for any other use that you you see fit, you may want to change your lifestyle, you may want to change your job you may want to go overseas you may want to to use it for other things or or personalize uh, your your life and your treatment further you 're not constrained in how you do that you know so so our aim is to provide you the funds on the diagnosis of something that 's potentially quite severe to provide you the funds to help you at that time.
0: Carol, for those patients who have had their treatment cut short or who have had to pause their treatment for whatever reasons, are there specific concerns that arise out of getting
1: back on treatment in the short to long term? So I think that's such a lovely question. So I think we had a double whammy between COVID and um, Charlotte burning down. So from a government point of view, we saw huge delays in oncology and we still have huge delays in radiation, and a shout out to some of the doctors who treated people in private who were government um, patients technically. So from a private point of view, there were A few cases where people's oncology treatment were delayed around COVID, but they could get back into it quite quickly. A couple of people we saw slight changes in advancement in cancer biology, but again, gave us an opportunity to be less recipe and say, hold on a moment. If we're checking people on their oncology treatment and their cancers aren't shrinking significantly, we should possibly be changing treatment anyway, which is a bit like if your antibiotics don't work for your sinus, change it. Around uh, radiation oncology, we saw a huge trend towards less radiation required, more shorter duration radiation, and people who for variety of reasons were not taking their chronics in oncology point of view, we set up a lot of virtual telephonics to do that. And part of that, of course, also reflects
0: on uh, the challenges for treatment during this pandemic. And do you find that that has been different across the sector, so for your private versus your public clients?
1: So not really for me, because I kind of opened up my unit's both ways, so that everyone could access it. So I didn't have any drop in numbers with in terms of patients coming in. I did see from a government point of view a lot of people who were frightened and didn't come in, and I had a huge um, increase in advanced cancers on the on the government side. So that was quite traumatizing. From a private side, it was much of a muchness So what we will do is we'll put together the abstract next year, just looking over 18 months to see if we had a change in the staging that we saw between um, Jan to June to 20, and then July, and then six months of this year, because that would be quite interesting. What I have only seen is I've seen um, amazing patients who have really been trialed against tremendous hardship. You know, a lot of people have lost work and for me, what I have seen, and again, I should actually put it out as a publication, I probably had more people that I've had to transfer from private into government who have lost jobs and lost um, medical insurance. And I think for the communication to be that if people are in a situation where they can't access care or they no longer have insurance, please know that they you can get good care in um, some of our government um, units. and just. To to make sure that you don't land up spending massive amounts of money in private that, and it's usually not doctor money, you know, a hospital say is enormous, um, and I think that's important. Michael, is there anything specific
0: you want to say on that
1: point?
2: No, apart from I fully agree, you know, I think the point remains that you've got to get things checked out as quickly as possible. Just because we've been living under COVID, under various phases of lockdown, we must try not to not to put these things off. Um, I, I, actually, from a personal perspective, I had a, I had something I needed to get checked out at the start of the year. And it was, I think, in the middle of the second wave. And I thought, am I going to put this off? No, because knowledge is important here. And you know that sometimes the longer you delay, the um, the more significant these things become. And, and you just mustn't delay. You must take action uh, because the consequences could be severe. And they could have been in my case. So I'm glad I did.
0: And that's, again, perhaps one of the positives coming out of the pandemic, that people are more responsive to issues of health and that they're not sitting down necessarily, but being proactive on, on this Issue of, of patient care, Carol, and people receiving at home treatment. Do you see in the future that being one of the primary
1: means of treatment? I do see that there will be more um, innovative ways of providing health care, and maybe some of it will be at home oncology. It will definitely be less of certain types of treatments. It's one day at a time for all of us. We learn that from our cancer patients. And that adapting is. Probably not a bad thing, says the most OCD person you'll ever meet. Michael, for life cover, would this potentially include this adapting?
0: Would it include an evolution from individual cover to family cover? is that one of the things that could be on the agenda
2: I think it depends our whole proposition is around personalizing for the individual so we're not we're not like an umbrella group arrangement where where we try and cover everyone because you sometimes uh, end up diluting the proposition and the, and and compromising the pricing so much it's it's sometimes not beneficial for them, the individual we do uh, and and you know we maintain that going forward we're trying to be everything to our clients, not to everyone, but there are cases where we do think it makes sense to cover more of the family. You know, so our illness product, which we've been talking a little bit about, does cover children as well, but we, we still allow the, the main person taking it out to personalize it to them. You know, so we, we, we might cover children, but we're not trying to cover everyone. On the live side, we've got add-ons where you can you can include more of your family and your extended family in an effective kind of premium way. But I think it's a, I think it's a valid theme. You know, many people only realize and have realized what life is really about, you know, during this pandemic. And it's, it's, a, it's actually often about the people that, that are close to you and that you leave behind and doing something for them.
0: So Michael, you know, listening to Carol really paints a picture of the level of anxiety, the kind of fears that people have been dealing with. She speaks about doctors, patients dealing with mental illness and that also exacerbating whatever situations that they may be in currently. Are you seeing any of that through the clients that you are actually working with? And what have been some of the key things that, that are coming in front of your table?
2: We do, Kathy, and we, we see things sometimes from both sides of the fence. So we get people who, who, who come and apply for cover with us, and then we've got our existing clients who already have cover with us. From an applicant perspective, we definitely see people coming with existing illnesses, be they mental or physical. We've spoken previously about uh, incidents of, of cancers and often younger cancers. And some situations, difficult for us to, to give cover to, to clients who've got a, a serious history. So one of the messages that we really try and give out strongly is try and get cover when you're young, when it's more affordable, when you've got the lower risk of having a, a prior history of medical conditions, and get in while you can. We try and provide products that are, that are comprehensive, that give clients a certain comprehensive level of cover so that they know that they can trust that they they've got the right the right benefits that it's not going to be redundant in future and that it's it's future fit you know we've got we've got uh, some benefits in our in our normal policies which which cover for example uncertain future illnesses like catch all clauses so we didn't know two years ago we didn't know that COVID was going to come and suddenly be this worldwide illness or pandemic um, and there may be others in future that you don't know about now that could be serious for you or for for other people that's typically the message we try and provide whether it be physical or mental, get covered, get the right kind of products that you, that you can trust going forward.
0: Carol, Michael talks about being future fit, and I know it's a bit of a difficult question to ask a doctor, but what can we do to be future fit? We didn't know that we would be in a pandemic in 2019, and the focus is, again, on the future and what what do I need to do? Lots of individuals are asking, what do I need to do to make sure that I'm safe? What do I need to do to make sure that I'm as
1: protected as i can be so i'm going to tell you to go and think of other people but not yourself number one and that goes a long way and to help with mental health and exercise it's very very good for mental health um try and eat as healthy as possible and um listen to your body know your norm but most importantly, if I think we were less self-obsessed and more looking outwards, um, that would help. And I think we've really shown that in this country. So please, God, no more pandemics. I will get back to work and let's move forward as a collective whole to improve healthcare. care for everyone
2: I mean that's such a valuable point and and we've seen a lot of South Africans do that over the last year and a half you know not just around COVID helping others food provision but also with the riots we had in KZN Gauteng. you know and it really really makes a big difference when you pull together and think about the broader community not just about yourself
0: at the end of the day if you're within these borders of South Africa then I guess we're all in it together whether we like it or not and it's up to each of us to choose what we do with the moment and the kind of contribution that we can have on our society, taking up that personal agency, not expecting others to do it for us. Thank you so much for your contributions. That brings us to the end of our three-part Life with COVID podcast series brought to you by Investec Life. Thank you for joining us. My name is Kathy Muthlathana. I certainly hope you found the series as insightful as I have.
2: The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendations. Investec Life Limited is a long-term insurer and an authorized financial services provider.